Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm great, thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel, act on it, and make them feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com slash xm. Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome to the Bird Rights. My name is Preston Ellis, and I'm the host for the new home to all things Pelicans on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Follow us at the Bird Rights and get all the latest on your Pelicans at thebirdrights.com. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to a special weekend preview here on the Bird Calls Podcast. I'm your host, Preston Ellison. Today, we are speaking with representatives from both the Miami Heat and the Orlando Magic to get you ready for the upcoming doubleheader this weekend. All right, first up, welcome to the program, Will Ogburn of SB Nation's Orlando Pinstripe Post. Thanks for joining us, Will. Oh, yeah, man. I appreciate it. Uh, it's always great to talk about my second favorite team, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> and uh, just for our listeners, you can follow Will at Go So Hard. And this is actually. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell and Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Funny story, because it's spelled go like Louisiana go, uh, G-E-A-U-X, so hard. So uh, tell our listeners a bit about your background. You said you're originally from Prairieville? Yeah, I'm uh, from Prairieville, right outside Baton Rouge, big LSU Tigers fan, have a little dog named Mardi Gras, and uh, basically, (laughs) we, uh, you know, we moved to Boogie Cousins country, my family lives in uh, Birmingham now, but I, I actually moved to Orlando for college. So I was a big uh, Chris Paul Hornets fan, and that was how I got into the NBA. And now I'm just covering the Magic, and I've been doing that for this is my third year. That's awesome, man. So this is going to work out great for us because not only are you in touch with the Magic, you probably also have some insight into the Pelicans, and thereby you can give us some really good information on what to expect. And I'll start you off with this. The, the Magic have lost six straight, the last victory being an overtime win over the dead last Atlanta Hawks at 7-24. and 24. That game was 110-106. to 106. However, when the Pelicans last saw the Magic, they were sprinting out of the gate at six and two. Everybody was shooting lights out. I think Aaron Gordon at the time was shooting 60% from three. But uh, now injuries have kind of spiraled your season into a downward trajectory. Talk a little bit about how those injuries have played a role in this slump that you guys are now in. Um, I mean, injuries are definitely part of it. But I think the problem is a little bit deeper than that. You know, when you guys saw us, you were a victim of uh, Sir Maurice Buckets. Uh, he dropped, <laughs> I mean, he was just lights out in that game. And we, you know, the um, the Magic started off the season really well, like you said, but they weren't even healthy at the beginning of the season. Alfred Payton went down in game two against the Nets, and 
they had DJ Augustine starting against y'all. And really what it was is it looked a lot like a fun, almost college basketball offense. There was a lot of drive and kick. There was a lot of open threes. There was a lot of sharing the ball. And it really seemed like we'd started buying into the stuff about, well, this is year two for Frank Bogle. Guys have really started to find their role in the offense, stuff like that. But uh, I saw a stat the other day. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up now. But since starting off, like, in first place, the Magic have been uh, the worst team in the NBA, basically. They're, they're three and 17 in the last 20 games. And so the thing is, like, while injuries have, have had um, a big impact on that, I mean, we shouldn't be losing to teams like the Bulls as bad as we did last night. Um, we shouldn't be getting run out of the gym by the Nuggets without um, uh, Jokic or Paul Millsap. I mean, we play these teams. I mean, that Hawks team didn't have any of their front court healthy. So I think that, like, the biggest issue is, you know, you watch this team against the Bulls last night, and they look like a bunch of dudes that just kind of met each other at the YMCA. And I don't really get that at this point in the season. So, you know, when to, to follow back to your question, when the Pelicans and the Magic played earlier in the season, that was a well-oiled Magic team. They were communicating really well. And you got a lights-out game from a role player. Whereas now, I mean, the Magic, the, their most consistent player is definitely Nikola Vucevic. And most of the time, you can definitely say Vuce is at least going to be pretty close to the best big man on the floor. But against the Pelicans, you can't really say that either. So it's going to be an interesting game with the way that they, they strategize it for sure. Uh, I definitely want to follow up on Frank Vogel, some of the stuff you were talking about. But before we do that, let's immediately go back to Nikola Vucevic. Uh, this guy shoots pretty well from three-point range. And DeMarcus Cousins has had trouble getting out to that three-point line and contesting those big mans who who shoot from out there. You mentioned Maurice Spades having 18 points against the Pelicans the last time they faced off. Can we expect Vucevic to be out at that three-point line and take advantage of the slow-footed boogie? I, I shouldn't say slow-footed. It's more like, a, like choosing to be slow-footed. Uh, can we expect him to take advantage? from the three-point line tomorrow night yeah I mean I I think so and I think that's definitely a part of his game that he's not shy about and like one thing about Vooch is he's not bashful when it's his time to run the offense and and so I think that that's that's a way that he can definitely get buckets but I think that the way that it's been a lot recently is him running the offense from the high post he's a really good passer and I don't know like if he the defensive metrics on Boogie are a little bit weird. I saw something in TPA the other day that he was actually a great defender, but I I don't really know if I could speak on that. But he definitely tries to get inside first, and then the three point shot is something that he he sits out there. And like you said, if you don't get to him right then, he'll pull it. So I think that that could definitely be something that if he finds success early on, if he finds that Boogie's not getting out there on those shots, that could be a problem. All right, before we move on to Frank Vogel, let's talk. Uh, Josh Robbins is reporting that Jonathan Isaac is questionable with a sore right ankle. Aaron Gordon is uh, questionable with a calf, and Evan Fournier, all questionable. Terrence Ross is listed as out. Do you expect any of these guys I previously mentioned to play tomorrow night? Um, AG has been in and out of the lineup. He caught it was a concussion and then a quad thing. It's, it is kind of a pick with some of those guys. I know that Fournier has been getting a little bit closer. I mean, Ross is definitely out. I think that. Isaac, uh, Isaac played, that was his second game against the Bulls, and he came out after, I think, about 13 minutes. So I think that at this point, they're starting to be more conservative with guys because guys are seeming to get re-injured. It wouldn't surprise me if anyone but Ross suited up, but I think that the fact that uh, Isaac just got hurt, Gordon just played a game and then missed a couple games, I, I think you pretty much are looking at a Magic team without any of those guys. 
Now you mentioned that your new look magic team kind of looks uh, or has the blueprint of like a YMCA group who have never played with each other before. The last time you guys played us, uh, it was a well-oiled machine, as you mentioned, with five players with 17 points or more in Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, Vucevic, Simmons, and Maurice Spades. However, uh, if we draw a comparison to the Bulls games where you guys were starting Jonathan Simmons, Wesley Owundu, along with Alfred Payton, Vucevic, and Mario Hazonia, talk a bit about uh, expanding roles for Mario Hazonia and Wesley Awundu, who played 20 minutes that night. Yeah, and I mean, and, and just to go back really quick to what I said earlier, the injuries have definitely been a big deal. Like, I'm, I'm not downplaying the injuries. I'm, not, I'm certainly not putting blame on this team. And some of the big guys, I think Awundu has played great for what he is. Um, he was, you know, later in the draft, he was a guy that a lot of guys got excited about, and he's definitely showed that he brings that intensity. Um, I think that Mario is a guy that you're – you're never exactly sure still what you're going to get from him. He reminds me a little bit of Austin Rivers, right, when he got drafted by the Hornets. That, like, there are some nights where, like, you're like, wow, this guy's hitting it. There are some nights where you're like, ugh. Uh, but he definitely, I mean, if you look about that game that he had against uh, the Pistons, I think he had 28 points. Uh, I mean, he can definitely catch fire. And I think that uh, the thing about him is his confidence. I think after being on the bench under Scott Skiles and kind of being out of the rotation when everybody was healthy, he, he hasn't. Do you remember all those quotes with him coming in the league about how he wanted to step on everyone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's not the guy that we really have right now. He He's kind of like, he has that in him, though. Like, that's the thing that we want to see out of Mario. Honestly, we're at a point where we need shots. And so uh, the the Magic, obviously, they're, they're at a point where, you know, anyone that can contribute uh, that has a little bit of NBA experience is appreciated. And so we want to see more of that out of him for sure. But um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of a coin flip with him. Yeah, it's got to be uh, encouraging, though, to see him on the court at all, because uh, just this previous offseason, the former top five pick was probably thought by most of us to to be a bust, but he's played well of late. He's getting a starting nod. Do, do you expect him to continue improving, or do you think this is just kind of who he is now? Um, it's, it's hard to say because of all those coaching changes and stuff. I do think, you know, we always say that we don't see practice. You know, we can't see what happens behind the scenes, and there's a reason at the end of the day that – two different coaches have kind of said, all right, let's pump the brakes on this guy. Uh, previously, we kind of supposed it was defense. Uh, in the offseason, believe it or not, so, like, the majority of the world still thinks that he's a shooting guard. Like, if you play, like, Yahoo Fantasy, he still is a shooting guard. But, like, Frank Vogel, he's a power forward to Frank Vogel. And that's because his, he's not really as fast as Vogel would like for him to be. He, he gets beat off the dribble a lot, but he definitely tries. And, like, that's one thing that, like, you can't fault him, like, you know, his genetics, you can't really change, but he's definitely put, putting in in these couple games more effort. And I think that he's improving. He's not playing as much hero ball. There is a little bit of like the like the, the circus music going on when he starts to dribble and try to cross people up. But I mean, yeah, I think that he's definitely like, he showed a little bit of progress in this stretch. And, and you're right, they didn't pick up his, uh, his option. It was looking like he was on the way out, but, you know, hopefully – They've, he's at least proven that he can be a bench guy and be a contributor on this team after being out of the rotation. Let's talk about Bismack Biombo for a moment, averaging 15 minutes per game after signing that somewhere around four-year, $70 million contract last year. Uh, initially, he was the, the starting center with Vucevic coming off the bench as a, as a scoring punch. But now, of course, you have Vucevic in the lineup. What has led to Biombo's reduced minutes? Um, let's see how I can explain this. He... So like he like we kind of have like one of the one of the, the the like themes of the magic is that the defense sometimes isn't on the same page and his strengths are he plays really hard he does the best he can 
Uh, he plays like he tries really hard on defense. The thing is, his offensive game just isn't really serviceable. Um, he sets a lot of moving screens. Uh, he's not very helpful unless he's right outside of the rim. A lot of guys, and we, we always used to joke about the lob bros, him and Mario, because him and Mario would usually check in at the same time, and Mario would just chuck him lobs, and he would just kind of whiff on him. And, like, his, his game is just a little bit herky-jerky. And he, unfortunately, you know, he was drafted by Charlotte. Um, he was a top-10 pick, and he's at that point in his career where he kind of is what he is. So, you know, we signed him after that playoff series with Toronto where he looked good against LeBron, and we were excited about it at the time. But it just seems like the defense isn't, you know, he's not – um, like an a Anthony Davis or like a Draymond Green, he's not such an elite defender, or even like a DeAndre Jordan that you could stick him on the floor and just not worry about that. His size is a little bit of an issue too. So Vooch has his flaws. He's a little bit slow. Um, he uh can kind of get abused at the rim at times, but he's definitely more of a complete NBA center when you think about IQ passing things like that. And that's something that I've definitely talked to Vogel about, like in the in the press rooms and everything. Is it's like what did Vooch do to seize this job? And I think that once Biombo kind of started like stepping in on his role, he started to get defensive and he started to really work on himself and know that like he, he nothing was guaranteed. So I think that the competition has been good for him. Hasn't been great for the salary cap, but I think that like Vooch has definitely improved since Biombo has been there. Great. And uh, let's talk a bit about, since we're on the topic of big men, uh, you guys are almost dead last in opponent points in the paint. And that's something that the Pelicans are actually second in with DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, and with Rajon Rondo in the lineup, they've been getting a lot of backdoor cuts to to Dante Cunningham and Drew Holiday. You guys also are second to dead last in the league in giving up opponent three-point percentage. If you guys were able to slow down the Pelicans in the paint and at the three-point line, how would you do it? Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Those are pretty damning numbers. You're absolutely right. And and like I said, I mean, the defense has struggled to communicate. Bottom line, things like those back cuts and things have just have just murdered the magic. And, um, you know, earlier in the year, you talked about um, how they're playing well. Their defensive communication was great. They were really limiting op- opponents' three points. Like, they were contesting a lot of three-pointers. Um, they were shooting well from out there. Now, um, at the end of the day, I mean – See, Boogie and AD are both so big that you really can't stick a Biombo on there. Like, I remember when they had that that lineup out there against the Pelicans last time, and anytime AD was on most baits or on uh, Biz, it was just bad because he's so long. So, like, I mean, Biz can do everything in the world that he wants to, but AD is equally as athletic to him. So it's like you really kind of have to pick your poison. And with this, I I think that Vooch is just going to be what you're going to have to work with for most of the game. And – I think that to, to 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 stop that, the problem really starts from the guards. That's something that's kind of been a thing that we're a little bit disappointed in Alfred Payton of that he came out of college. Um, he was at uh, he was at ULL and he was uh, he won the Lefty Drizelle Award as the best college defender as a point guard. And we thought that was huge, but his defense has kind of regressed. So our problems uh, giving up points in the paint start with the guards. They they break contain and then Vooch, you know, he's just not that fast. So once Alfred loses like a Drew Holiday then it's it's kind of game over. So I think that the way that they could limit that is, again, by communicating better. And they need to kind of have an attitude adjustment after the last couple of games, playing a little bit lackadaisical. Hopefully that loss against the Bulls is really, like, going to get them together. But it's really about effort. It's about communication. I think that they have the ability to do it, even though there are some very talented bigs for the Pelicans. But, I mean, I think that most of those lapses with layups and dunks in the inside are more of the defensive mistakes. 
Again, you guys are listening to Will Ogburn of Orlando Pinstripe Post. Uh, I'm going to get one more question in before we go to your prediction. Uh, according to TeamRankings.com, the Magic are actually a pretty good team in the fourth quarter. They're 10th offensively and 15th defensively. Uh, break down these numbers for us. Are the Magic a better team in the fourth quarter than they are the other three periods of the game, or is this just a garbage time statistic? Oh, you know, it, it does make a lot of sense. And um, I haven't seen those exact numbers, but I totally believe it because a lot of the games they'll be out of the game and then they'll realize like, oh, like this is a basketball game. We need to go ahead and win it. And they'll just go on a huge run in the fourth quarter. And it's like they always get just right there. Like they had a game against the Timberwolves. They were down big and they only lost. Like they had the ball like to win the game at the end of the situation that just didn't make any kind of sense. So like they really like, like I said, like it goes back to the communication and everything is it's like, if they played the way they played in the fourth quarter for the other three quarters, they would still be that team that moves the ball well. They'd still be that team that defends well. So I'd say with the Pelicans, from the Pelicans games I've watched, again, I'm not, I, I don't really have time to keep up with both, like, uh, like as a beat writer would, but I think the Pelicans have been suspect to kind of uh, getting, like, getting a little bit lackadaisical with leads and stuff. I think that could be the thing that, um, that hurts them. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that if, if the Pelicans open up a big margin, and kind of demoralize the magic it could just kind of go that way but if they keep it close to the fourth quarter and then the pelicans start kind of messing around i could see the magic coming back and that's definitely something the pelicans are capable of doing they lost five games in a span of 15 days that they had had double digit leads and many of those coming in the fourth quarter so that's definitely something to look out for it's taking your foot off the gas and watching the the baby magic uh come after them with guys like jonathan isaac who gave anthony davis such trouble with his length uh thank you so much for your time will let's get you out of here on this what do you expect to happen tomorrow night uh give us give us a number prediction and who do you think are some of the stars of the game for the magic specifically some of the stars of the game for the Magic, well, I think that uh, I think Vooch really takes big men, like when there's a good big man on the other team, he takes that matchup personally. Um, we saw that the other day with Nurkic, who played pretty well against him. Um, I think that, I think Vooch is probably going to lead the team in scoring. I would probably say that the Pelicans will be up like at least 20, and then the Magic will make one of those wild runs. And like I said, like, now that you say that, I, I would definitely agree with like the Pelicans kind of just chilling out on leads. We've seen that with the Warriors games. But, like, I I just – I could see them being up 20 and then the Magic cutting it to five or six and then running out of gas. So I would probably, like, if I were a betting man, I'd put the spread at about eight to ten. But the game isn't going to feel that way. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much for your for joining us, Will. Uh, again, you guys can follow him at Go So Hard, and that is spelled Go the way that we would spell it in New Orleans, G-E-A-U-X. And uh, make sure to get all this work by following SB Nations at Orlando Pinstripe Post, or I think it's Orlando Pinstripe Post.com. Is that right, Will? Oh, uh, yes. And then the, um, the Twitter is OPP, or OPP blog, I think. Nice. You got anything on the site we can check out or our readers can? Uh, actually, will you be live tweeting during the game? Oh, uh, no, like I said, I'm I'm out of town, actually, but um, I need to, I, I've been meaning to get on to something about Alfred Payton. I've been, since the football season's been um, ramping up with my day job at Saturday Down South, I've been kind of swamped with that. But as the sample size gets a little bit bigger, I should be working on something towards the end of this week about that. All right, Will, thanks so much for your time. Oh, thank you, man. All right, let's talk some heat. And to help us do that, we welcome on editor-in-chief to SB Nation's Hot Hot Hoops. It's Surya Fernandez. How's it going, sir? Good, all good, thanks. So, yeah, it was quite a game last night with the Celtics. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just recovering from that and just yeah, looking forward to seeing if they can uh, they can really get some consistency going. 
Yeah, big stunner. And you guys have a good chance to to run off with a couple of games, although you are uh, sans a lot of guys. Before before we get into this, uh, everybody make right. sure to follow Surya at Surya Heat NBA. Like I said, he's the editor-in-chief to SB Nation's Hot Hot Hoops. So you can go over there and check out some of their stuff today, or you can follow them on Twitter. Are you going to be live tweeting during the game, Surya? You know, sometimes they do that. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's fun, like, just to, to interact with the fans and all that. And we have, you know, the uh, the game thread as well, where our, our readers will dive in and, and they have their discussion as well. So, you know, we try to stay on top of everything like that with the heat. Yeah, man, it's a good way to get followers, if nothing else. Let's dive into this uh, heat topic. Let's start by talking injuries. Uh, I was looking at something that said Manny Navarro of Miami Herald said that the heat could be without four of their rotation players on Saturday, and that's not including Rodney Magruder, who had surgery on a stress fracture to his tibia. Right. And then you've got James Johnson has a right ankle, Justin Winslow a left knee, Hassan Whiteside, an indefinite bone bruise, not sure when he's going to be back. And Goran Dragic said after Wednesday's game uh, that he had a sprained ligament in his left el- elbow, and he said it's legitimately painful. He said, I'm good with pain, but the thing I struggle with is rotating the elbow when it opens up. When you dribble past, when you go through a screen, I'm really more concerned about that. It can get worse. I need to be smart. I could have played this game, but I would not help my teammates. Uh, and Kelly Olynyk, even after scoring 32 points and fouling out Al Horford, he complained a bit about hyperextending his knee. Just how hurt are you guys right now? This isn't anything new, unfortunately, with the Heat. I think last season, pretty much all, if not the entire season, they were the NBA team with the most missed games total, you know, with among all their players. And that included Chris Bosch as well. Uh, so unfortunately, yeah, it seems to be continuing. It started out okay, uh, but the Rodney Magruder thing kind of threw everything off because, you know, he was a starter, actually. Uh, and he maybe you don't see it in the box score, but he's he's kind of like that glue guy. But, you know, a Heat team obviously can withstand something like that because they have those kind of uh, complementary, versatile kind of players on their roster. The problem is now – there's injuries are starting to mount up and Hassan Whitehead has missed a lot of, a lot of games in the beginning and now uh, currently as well. And you want to incorporate something like somebody like that. That's so important to the heat. Uh, and everybody's kind of dealing with Dion waiters as well. You know, he's been, he's been dealing with ankle issues and he was um, also sick uh, past few days as well. And he's been pushing through that as well. So, and, and justice Winslow too, is to somebody that, uh, the Heat really want to develop. He missed a lot of last season as well. Um, but the Heat have they have a lot of uh, players kind of like on the same skill level. They don't really have any clear-cut all-stars. So, you know, you're going to plug in somebody like Tyler Johnson that never starts games, and you're going to plug him into the shooting guard position. Uh, and you can also get to an extended look at those kind of players as well on the roster because, Bolster has to kind of like divide up a lot of minutes among a lot of players. Uh, so he's getting a good look at some other players and bringing in some players as well, like Derek Welton Jr. And, and Jordan Mickey as well is also providing some, some good minutes. So at the, at the flip side, you want to look at a positive. Some other players are getting their chance to, to shine. Nice. Well, I hope you guys come out uh, relatively unscathed. You guys also have a, a back-to-back just as the Pelicans do. Uh, I believe it's against the Dallas Mavericks on Friday. Is that right? Right. Yeah, right. uh, yeah, they have some. They have a decent stretch of winnable games at home. Uh, so you hope that they can build on that Boston win because uh, it's kind of like a yin and yang. Last season they were thirty and eleven, then eleven and thirty. Or I'm sorry, the other way around, and and they put it together at thirty and eleven. 
and then they're kind of the same thing. They they will lose to the East worst uh, Hawks, and then they'll beat the East best Celtics right after that. So like, what kind of a what what team are they? Are they the ones that can rattle off you know uh, four or five wins in in five or six games? Are they also the ones that will lose as many games like that? So uh, we'll we'll see what happens. That's so interesting that you just said that because that's literally what my next question was. Uh, other than the Mavericks and the Pelicans, you guys also have uh, two games against the Magic. You've got the Nets. You've got the Pistons that are playing well, but then you've got the Knicks after them. And like you just said, this is literally what I had drawn up. Uh, you guys have won five of the last seven, but last year you start out 11-30, as you just said. You finished at 30-11, and 11, uh, and it looked like you were one of the major contenders for the East if you hadn't run out of time. So this, this right. team wear several different hats, the hat of a good team and the hat of a, of a bad team going into Christmas and into 2018. Just what kind of team do you think the Heat are going to become? I had, a, I had, a, yeah, we were talking about that, me and, and, a, and a good friend of mine, and he mentioned the word mediocre. And I think that's a strong word because um, they will play good stretches, but I don't know if they can consistently do it for, you know, the entire game. So they'll play really good for a couple of quarters and they'll come out flat in the third quarter. And a, and a good lead that they had built is gone. And then they have to fight tooth and nail. Um, and then they'll put together a good stretch. But even like with the Celtics, the Celtics came back. I mean, it's a great team. They were playing at home. Uh, and they kind of just squeezed that win out. Can they put it together, you know, for a consistent amount of time? And can everybody kind of just get on the same page and play up to their abilities? Because you'll see a few players that are doing really well, like Josh Richardson. And then they'll have... Uh, uh, you'll have a player like like Tyler that struggled through much of the Boston game, but you know that he's a good shooter, but he just could not buy a bucket. Or Wayne Ellington has also been inconsistent, but if Wayne is hitting his three-pointers, if Tyler's um, hitting his shots regularly, Josh Richardson is doing what he can on defense, but also giving you, uh, a good, you know, 10, 12 points a game, then he looks like a good team. And then, they ha- you know, you have Hassan Whiteside also. Can he play uh, up to his abilities? You mentioned uh, some of the shooters that you guys have, have had to step up in recent games against the Celtics. It was Kelly Olynyk who had a, a career night. He was 12 of 15 from the field, and he even fouled out Al Horford, which I think Al Horford said something along the lines of, like, that was the first time in his career he'd ever fouled out that early. But after him, right. you've got Josh Richardson shooting just 6 for 15, and other than him at 19 points, nobody scored more than 10, uh, while the Celtics are one of the better defensive teams in the NBA. The Pelicans are second to last. They're a high scoring team and they haven't had to go up against too many you know top 10 defensive teams in in a battle of offense versus defense defense being the heat how how do you think this game plays out do you think it's high scoring or do you think the heat keeps the tempo down and keeps this one in the 90s yeah it's going to be it's going to be a a battle between the two because i see the the pelicans have kind of the same kind of playoff situation as the heat you know they're, they're they're right there um but but with the Heat, they don't really have that kind of all-star guy that they can, they know they can feed it to. The Pelicans kind of have like a different problem. They have two clear-cut uh, all-stars, and and will they be the ones that can be the difference makers in a game? And who on the Heat is actually going to play uh, on that night? Who's going to be available of the of the starters? That's going to be also just a huge question mark going into the game. 
Yeah, with that being said, I definitely have a question. Kelly Olenek is definitely probably going to be bodying up against DeMarcus Cousins. He seems the perfect mm -hmm. kind of defender for somebody who just frustrates you, gets into your mind, does all those little things that the referees can't see to really get inside somebody's head. But then you've got a guy named Bam Adebayo, and I have to be perfectly honest, Surya, I don't know too much about him. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what we should expect from your starting center at this point? Yeah, Bam came in because uh, Willie Reed was a great backup center for 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 Whiteside uh, last season, uh, but they drafted Bam. I didn't really know much about him. Uh, Hot Out Hoops, we posted probably maybe twenty uh, draft profiles of, of potential picks that the Heat uh, could select from, and we, we didn't do a, a one on Bam, uh, to be honest with you. But but already in summer league, uh, the preseason, uh, but then the, um, he was already showing you know, some promise. Uh, but the thing is also during the, the off season, the Heat also signed Kelly. Uh, so you also need to find minutes for him as well in, in that rotation. Uh, but now because of uh, Hassan being out for an extended amount of time, again, he's one of those players that, that Spolster can take a good look at. Uh, and he stepped up and he's, he's been great. He's just a high energy guy, super athletic. Um, he's going to score points. If you get, if you get in the ball near the rim, He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna score it at a pretty good clip, and he's giving you a good rebounds. He's averaging four and a half rebounds. Um, I think he's he's got a he's got a lot of promise, and and he's been rewarding Spolster uh, with some quality minutes. Yeah, he put up six and five in twenty minutes. But the the big story there, a lot of guys of the bird rights aren't big believers in the positive minus. There's a lot of things you can take from it and lose from it. But his positive uh, minus numbers in the game were were positive five in just limited time. So he definitely. Uh, did a lot to contribute to that victory defensively against the Celtics. Let's let's talk a little logistics about the storyline of the Celtics game. Obviously, it was a low-scoring affair, 90-89, to 89, uh, and like we said, Olenek was the star. But one of the big takeaways from the game was when it really turned, when Eric Spolstra employed use of uh, a zone defense for the first time all yeah. season. And while many fans might be familiar with a zone defense, it's not something that the Heat typically apply to their game plan. Uh, some of the players even said it was the first time they'd ever done a set of it in the in, as members of the Heat, and it completely baffled the Celtics, who lost five straight possessions and gave the Heat a fifteen to two run. Why was it so successful? Why was it so surprising to the Celtics? And does Eric Spolstra, known as one of the better coaches in the league, make great routine uh, game changing decisions like this on a nightly basis? No, and you know it's funny. Uh, you were you were talking about that. I was remembering the kind of comments that that we got on the on the game thread and the game recap from from our readers at Hot Hoops, and uh, I think they were really happy to see Spolstra make that kind of an adjustment and throw off the Celtics, even if it was just for a few minutes, and then the Celtics kind of figured it out. Even if it was just something to just mix it up a little bit and kind of compensate for the fact that they were missing so many of, of their players, and let's see what let's see what happens, kind of a deal. And um, and it worked, and and it really kind of turned the game. That's when the the Heat really started to pull it together. I think earlier I was saying how they would usually come out flat in the third quarter. They struggled through that. Uh, in this case, you know they, they didn't let the the league get too too insurmountable because the Celtics were playing so good in the first half. Kyrie Irving was playing really well. Uh, they kept it kind of close. Uh, they kind of would dig in and, and get like a run of five, six, seven points in a row. And they would make it manageable. And then, you know, they, they went on that good run and they withstood the Celtics um, in, 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 the, in, in crunch time. 
Yeah, and that's a uh, main part of the culture with Miami Heat. You guys have never been known ever since you lost out on LeBron, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade as a, as a star-driven franchise. But you use these role players like Josh Richardson, Kelly Olynyk, Deion Waiters, Tyler Johnson, Udonis Haslam like is still in the NBA, go figure. Uh, mm-hmm. Wayne Ellington yeah. got 32 minutes the other night. And these guys just slog it out. They play great defense. They make good decisions. And, and they win games like this that, you know, in many minds think, that they shouldn't. Do you think against the Pelicans on Saturday night, as shorthanded as you guys are going to be, and in addition coming on the second night of a back-to-back, do you give your yourselves a chance? And who do you think comes away as the MVP for the Heat should you pull off the victory? I think I think the Heat are the kind of team that you know you don't want to face in the first round. You know those upper those upper seeded teams. Um, because of that, because of what you were saying, that they're always going to give a good fight. They're always going to play hard. They, the shot might not be falling. They might be struggling from the free throw line or from the three-point line, but they're going to play hard on, on, on defense as well. So um, hmm, who, will, who would be the MVP? You know, I don't know. I mean, you, you have uh, certain candidates, and um, I think somebody like a Josh Richardson could, could be that kind of guy. He's been putting it together lately. Um, and he's been he's been playing well on both ends of the field uh, of the court, and that's what the Heat need uh, to win. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put my faith in, in Josh Richardson for that, and and yeah. <laughs> All right, Surya. Thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, Again, this is Surya Fernandez of Hot Hot Hoops. He is the editor-in-chief to SB Nation's site dedicated to the Miami Heat, and you can follow him at Surya Heat NBA. That's our guy. Uh, May or may not be live tweeting. Is there anything on Hot Hot Hoops that you hope our listeners will check out in advance of Saturday's game? Uh, Well, SB Nation did a whole thing with uh, with all we wanted uh, for Christmas for for each team. And uh, and one of our um, editors, Matt Pineda, wrote a fun article today about about kind of like we were just talking about right now. That, that he would like to land a whale. I think Pat Riley would like to get an all star, get that kind of you know consistently scoring kind of guy that can just be counted on to close the minutes of a game to just you know steal a win. I, I think that's I think that's what the he would want. I think uh, it's a good read. All right, sir. Yeah, thank you so much for your time, sir. And hopefully we'll reconnect with you on Saturday and get some behind-the-scenes information on the matchup. All right, cool. All right, thanks for having me. All right, last but certainly not least, we welcome on our friend and our third-time guest. How about that? Site expert and editor of Orlando Magic Daily, as well as host to Locked On Magic. You're a busy guy, Philip Rossman Reich. Yeah, I'm, I'm always busy trying to find something to talk about with this team. <laughs> I know. Uh, I was just talking to my buddy uh, Will from Orlando Pinstripe uh, earlier about some of the ups and downs that you guys have are experiencing, and it's it's incredible how uh, close in common they are to the struggles of the Pelicans. And what I'm talking about primarily is effort. Before I get to that, uh, don't forget, you guys, you can follow him at Philip R R underscore O M D and at orlandomagicdaily.com. And make sure you subscribe to Locked on Magic and get a great idea of what to expect on Friday by listening to this guy. And one of the articles you wrote, uh, coinciding with what I was talking about, about effort being a problem for both of our franchises, is something called Orlando Magic Lacking Fight, and everyone knows it. Will you tell our listeners a little bit about what you wrote? Yeah, I mean, for for the last, God, um, you know, really since the last time the Magic played the Pelicans, uh, the season has gone completely south. Um, If, uh, I'm sure it's been covered early, uh, with with some of your earlier guests, but uh, the magic, the magic, I think we're sitting at six and two 
after they are, they were five and two after they left New Orleans, I believe, and, and were riding pretty high. And everyone was beginning to think, oh, this, this Magic team might be for real. Um, they might be making a playoff run. Well, really, since they, they played Memphis the next night, of since that Memphis game, they have gone on a tailspin. Um, a couple games later, they, they've lost 17 of their last 20 games. And while injuries have been an issue for the team throughout the year, um, Alfred Payton's been out for extended periods of time for this team. DJ Augustin was out. Jonathan Isaacs missed a lot of time. Aaron Gordon's missed some time. Terrence Ross is out. Evan Fournier is still out. Um, while there's definitely been some injuries that that this team couldn't afford to have, there's also been an issue of effort. And this is something that's kind of been simmering beneath the surface for the last two years, um, that that the team just just doesn't have, doesn't always bring the consistent energy and effort that they need to a game. And, and I don't like using those kind of intangible, uh, you know, words that you can't really describe or can't really uh, put it, put a number to almost, but last night against the Chicago bulls, the magic are down all their guys um, that they've been down for the last two weeks, essentially. And yet Chicago comes out 12, run off the bat. Orlando finds a way to fight their way back into it. Chicago burns off six points before the end of the quarter magic inch back to within six bulls pull, pull off five points before the end of the half. They go up by 11 and, and then it's never a game. There's never a run that comes. And so, it's been a consistent pattern throughout the season where the magic kind of take a punch and, and aren't able to fight back or they, they kind of don't come out with the right energy that they need off the bat. And, you know, when you're down so many guys and then, you know, no offense, but the Pelicans have had their issues with injuries. When you're down so many players with injury, the one thing that can never be in question is your fight and your willingness to, to get into the battle. You have to be, you have to, uh, I think Frank Vogel said it really well after the game. In order to win right now, the Magic need to play above their station. Those, those were his words, to play above their station. And to do that, effort can never be a question. You've got to be on your toes. And, and no one's expecting this Magic team to win every game that they're playing right now with all the injuries they've got. But at the very least, they've got to be willing to get into the fight and, and, and give themselves a chance and be on the front foot from the very beginning and to play with not reckless abandon, but to, to play with some urgency and desperation. And that's really what the Magic have been lacking for most of this losing streak. And at a certain point, it, it's got to be enough for these guys or, you know, it, there's some serious problems. And, and I think, you know, after two years of, of games where we're constantly asking this question, it's beginning to feel like it's enough, enough of it. Yeah, something similar we were talking about with DeMarcus Cousins earlier in the podcast. Uh, it's the guys come out every night and they talk about wanting to win and they talk about effort. And then after the game, like clockwork, Nikola Vucevic says that the guys didn't come out or they come out flat. And uh, you look at the numbers and it reflects them. Something that we spoke uh, with Jamel McMillan, our assistant head coach of the Pelicans about was that defense doesn't get you paid. And the numbers surely reflect that for the Orlando Magic. In the first, second and third quarters, the Orlando Magic is the worst defense in the NBA. It's only in the fourth quarter when when they decide uh, that it's time to to tighten down the hashes, I guess you would say. Are the Magic a team that that plays a bit harder in the fourth quarter defensively, or are, is this just a reflection of garbage time minutes? I think some of it is reflection of garbage time minutes. Um, I think that that Orlando has definitely I think definitely when the game is close the defense ramps up a little bit and and they show plenty of capability defensively I think um especially in fourth quarters Frank Vogel will will tighten his rotation a little bit more and put out lineups that that tend to be more defensive 
um, relying a little bit more on veterans. So you'll see less of your Wessa Wundus, your Jamel Artises now, um, you know, even some of less of your Mario Hazonia. They'll he'll play lineups with DJ Augustin, Shelvin Mack, and Alfred Payton, which despite being small and 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 not being great at shooting, um, that lineup has actually been kind of effective defensively. Um and, and and especially of late, Nikola Vucevic has been has been playing probably some of his best defense of of his of his career, at least certainly of the season, um, at the very least. But you know the margin the margin of error for this team is very very small, and um, you know you can't give up three quarters of bad defense and expect to be able to compete or win games with with again with all the guys the Magic are out right now, and you know knowing that margin for error is small, you know the point that I keep coming back to is you know why are smart basketball people. I mean, I, I like to think I'm a smart basketball person, but uh, you know, I'm probably not, the, not, you know, at, I'm probably in a, you know, middle school level, not, not a high, not a high school or, or college level, like some, like, like some other people, but um, it, it, if it's easy for everyone to tell, like, we know you have an extra gear. Why aren't you going to it? Uh, why aren't you going to it consistently? That's a problem for a team that, that, that needs every ounce they can squeeze out of itself. Now, with the Orlando Magic, uh, playing offense is, is something that the uh, the New Orleans Pelicans are not good at defending. A team that is capable offensively uh, tends to give us a lot of trouble as we're 29th in the league right now. Offensively, we're ranked fifth. But a player that I want to bring up, somebody who you mentioned did not play in the first encounter, Alfred Payton. He seemingly has improved. If you look at the box scores, the numbers, he's shooting 50% from the field, up to 36% from three, albeit on only two shots a game. And he's got something to the tune of uh, six assists and four rebounds per game. But the question that I want to pose for you as somebody who actually watches game in and game out is he's still posting a pretty heavy minus uh, of four minus per game. And if you're into the whole uh, positive minus statistic, is he actually helping the Orlando Magic being in that starting lineup? We, we talked about with the Pelicans, somebody like Solomon Hill being a plus defender and improving the overall defensive statistics of the Pelicans. But on offense, he's such a zero statistically that, that does he actually help your lineup? Does Alfred Payton make the Orlando Magic a better player starting at their one position? Uh, I'm going to give you the lawyer answer. It, it, dep- it depends, but uh, I'm, honestly, the answer is I don't know. Um, and I think that is probably telling in and of itself that that you just can't put your finger on what Alfred Payton does. Um, certainly not having Evan Fournier in the lineup, having a lineup that is really devoid of shooters. I mean, I think of the Magic starting lineup, assuming Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier are out again on Friday, the Magic are probably going to start uh, Alfred Payton, Wesa Wundu, Jonathan Simmons, Mario Azonia, Nikola Vucevic. Of that lineup, Nikola Vucevic is probably the best three-point shooter at around 33% shooting. Mario Zonia, he's shot a lot better of late, um, but he's, you know, a a sub 35% shooter too. And and everyone else, you know, you're not, you're not even considering them as three point shooters. Simmons may be a little bit more than others, but um, it's, it's a tough lineup for Alfred Payton to get himself going in because this, because there's no space defenses know to pack the paint against this team and just kind of force them to hang around the perimeter and, and, and hoist mid range jumpers essentially. And and that's been an effective strategy for a lot of teams um, this year. Defensively, Alfred Payton is is definitely a weak link as the head of the snake as, as the point guard. Um, defensively, he he's really continued to struggle. I'm, I'm sure you saw the Zach Lowe article that came out earlier today where he he noted Alfred Payton's poor defensive awareness and and his his you know kind of more willingness to to try and ball watch and get steals a little bit too much. Um, but it, it, 
you know, when Alfred Payton is really good, he is still really, really good. Um, we saw a flash of that in the second quarter against the Bulls when the Magic uh, came back and, and made it a game. But as quickly as it comes, it disappears for him. And, you know, it's a big year for Alfred Payton, obviously. And, and there's just a gr- growing sense that everyone's kind of had it with him. Like, like, when are you going to just kind of, when are you going to take this, this leap that we saw you take last year when you put up all those numbers? When are you going to take that leap? When are you going to be the point guard this team needs? Uh, especially during this losing streak. Uh, and, and right now he hasn't been answering the bell and it's been, it's been frustrating and disappointing because there's a lot of moments where you're just like, Oh, Alfred Payton's out there. The only thing you notice about him is his hair. I mean, he's not doing, he's not doing much with the ball in his hands. It's like looking in a mirror, the Pelicans uh, and our fan base have the same conversations with ourselves every day. When are we going to put it all together? When are we going to see consistent effort? When are we going to see the Pelicans of the first quarter in the fourth quarter in the second and third quarters? Uh, although that that is makeshift. One game will have a, a 20 point advantage in the first quarter, like we did against the Golden State Warriors. And then against the Wizards, we were down by 17 at the end of the first quarter. So it, it truly is a roller coaster ride for us as well. One thing that I do want our listeners to know about on your behalf is obviously we've talked about uh, Hazo and Wesley Wundu and uh, what their starting minutes is going to mean in this matchup. Some stuff that we haven't talked about is the new addition, Adrian Payne. Um, Jonathan Isaac hopefully is going to play. And he actually, his length and his speed actually gave Anthony Davis a lot of trouble in the first matchup, just being able to put his hands high enough for, uh, to, I don't know, just get Anthony Davis off his mark. And then you've got guys like Shelvin Mack, DJ Augustin was a problem. And then mystery guy, uh, four years, $70 million man, or whatever that contract is, Bismack Biombo only playing 10 minutes in the last matchup against the Bulls. This guy has really fallen off a cliff in terms of minutes being played. What can we expect from your rotational guys? And will there be an Aaron Aflalo sighting? Yeah, it's 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 definitely, definitely, definitely interesting. I mean, I think the magic rotation is still is still very much in flux. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's, it could be different. I mean, if you remember from that first new Orleans game, Maurice Spates went off and, and really won the, and I, I wouldn't say won that game for the magic, but was a big contributor to winning that game for the magic. Um, so I think that, I think that we'll, that, that we might, you know, although Spates is shooting some ungodly percentage from beyond the arc in December, um, he's like three for 22 or something like that. Um, I, I think that, um, I think that it might it's possible with the with the big lineup that the that the Pelicans use that we might see Maurice Spates a little bit more. Um we might see him in lineups with Bismack Biombo and and Biombo Biombo kind of like uh what what you said um with 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 Solomon Hill. He gives you a lot defensively or at least comparatively gives you a lot defensively. Um but he tanks the offense for this team. Uh so it it you know the Magic are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place with a lot of these decisions. The one thing we do know about Frank Vogel is he will go with a 10-man rotation. As, as much as Magic fans have been calling for him to stagger lineups and go to a nine-man rotation, make sure there's a starter on the court at all times, he is stuck pretty fervently to playing 10 guys every single night. Um, we'll, we'll see Aaron Aflalo play. I can almost guarantee you that. Um, Jonathan Isaac, if he's healthy, he'll, he, he'll play about 20, 25 minutes, depending on what his minute restriction is. Um, you know, He kind of jammed his, his ankle, this, the ankle that he sprained, uh, in in Wednesday's game against the Bulls, so it's not clear if he's going to play yet. Um, you know, John Hammond was on the radio earlier today and seemed pretty optimistic that his his timeout won't be too long, but it's unclear if he's going to play on on uh, on Friday quite yet. Um, so it, it's it, the Magic right now are just kind of jumbling lineups, trying to find something that works. Um, you know, Frank Vogel is is very kind of hesitant to change his rotations. He kind of gives it a little bit t- of time to breathe. 
which has frustrated Magic fans to no end. And, and I think it's warranted because there's been some questionable lineups that clearly do not work. Um, but Orlando is just kind of trying to hold the boat steady and, and give and give themselves as much of a chance as they can. And it's it's been it's been a tough thing to do. Yeah, they're deep into the hardship exception, which the Pelicans were earlier this year and would still be if they had any cap space left to let, uh, available. They're they're right up against the dead cap, so there's no space for them to move. But the Magic do have some bodies in Artis and Payne who are going to see some time. So uh, a, a lot of uh, people that the Pelicans might not recognize. But like you said, Maurice Spates, I definitely think we're going to get a, a, a shot out of him on Friday. Just the 18 points he he scored in the, in the last encounter. Boogie was giving him that shot all day, and he was hitting it. You You'd have to think if he's going to come back to life, it's going to be on Friday night, right? Yeah, if if he's going to come back to life, it's it's going to be that night. This is a matchup that that seems tailor made for him. He doesn't have to go out and guard a stretch four, which he struggled with a lot. Uh, he 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 can he can play kind of play the floor spacer and still get respect in the post. Um, this is a game that that seems tailor made for for Maurice Spates to get some minutes again. He's a guy that I think Vogel trusts. I think they understand his limitations. Um, it, it, the, the, the issue with Murray Spates is when he's not hitting shots, he's completely useless. Um, no, I mean, I say that, I say that with as much, much honesty and love for Murray Spates as I can, but he is tough to play out there when he is not hitting shots. Um, and right now he's not hitting shots. Yeah, this might be his uh, last rodeo if he's not able to turn things around quickly. Uh, that's pretty much going to do it. Before I let you go and we get some predictions out of you, uh, I just want to go to three-point uh, shooting. And obviously, it's difficult to assess this because when you guys were lighting the the hardwood on fire, you did have a lot of these guys like Fournier and Gordon shooting over 50 and 60% respectively. But the other night, you guys shot 5 of 27, a dreadful 18%. You've dropped all the way to the, the middle of the NBA. You're at 15th after leading the NBA early in the season. And is there any chance that you guys are going to kill us in the three-point game? Because the Pelicans are very poor at defending it. There's always a chance. I mean, it, I, I think Frank Vogel has said on several occasions that he likes the looks they're getting and he wants his team to take open looks. The, the problem is the Magic don't have their best three-point shooters out, out there right now. Terrence Ross, Evan Fournier, and Aaron Gordon are probably the three best three-point shooters on the team. So Orlando's down some pretty big players. And so, you know, it's, there's a big difference when Jonathan Simmons is shooting a three rather than Evan Fournier. And, and, and so that's a pretty big downgrade. I mean, we all expected Orlando to come back down to earth with their three-point shooting. Um, it, but this lineup particularly just doesn't have the shooting. They, they just don't have the shooting. And, and I can't blame teams for not respecting it. And I can't blame teams for making sure everyone has a foot in the paint and clogging the lineup to make it really tough for this offense to work and, and and for Orlando to win any game right now, they've got to play with a ton of energy on defense. They got to be pesky and they got to get out in transition and create mismatches. That's, that's when they've had their, that's when they've experienced their best offense in the stretch. And that's, that's how they have to win games right now. And, and I think right now that's, that's the part that's been falling woefully short. All right, go deeper into that. To beat the Pelicans, obviously, any kind of team that puts energy together for 48 minutes frustrates players like DeMarcus Cousins. Anthony Davis and DeMarcus are both prone to taking lapses and energy, taking plays off, kind of standing around. A team that is willing to, to fight for every inch will give them a lot of trouble. We saw that uh, just three weeks ago against the Sacramento Kings. Give us the recipe for an Orlando Magic victory. Who are your heroes? Obviously, Vucevic plays a role. But who are some, some unspoken heroes, some guys that the Pelicans fans might not uh, expect and might might cause a, a little remote controller throwing at the television. Well, right now, like the guy is Mario Azonia. I mean, he's a complete wild card. Um, I think I think no one really knows what they're going to get from him. He's experiencing a little bit of a, I don't think you could call it a renaissance because he never really came. 
uh, never was never really born to begin with, but he is he is breaking out a little bit with the added playing time the Magic have been able to give him. Um, he scored twenty. He scored a career high twenty eight points, made eight three pointers against the Detroit Pistons on Sunday. His three point shot is starting to come around in a way that has never come around before uh, in his in his NBA career. And so I think that um, that Hazonia is definitely a guy. You know, he can shoot the ball. He can spread the floor out. So if you leave him open, he will make shots. And he's playing with a lot more confidence right now on the offensive end, at least. Uh, and so that, you know, gives an opportunity. He's he's kind of the guy that needs to give the support that 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 the Magic would need to win this game. And so if he plays a lot better, then obviously the Magic are in better shape. And 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 obviously in his big game, the Magic erased a twenty four point deficit, made it a five point game late, and and had and it had you know made things a little bit interesting at the end. But obviously. Long, long way to go. The Magic, the Magic need a big game from Nikola Vucevic. Not just a bit, not just a big scoring game, but an efficient scoring game. They need a big game from Jonathan Simmons. They're they're pulling every string they can pull right now just to stay in games. They're they're just down a lot of manpower. All right, this is Philip Rossman Reich. You can follow him at Philip RR underscore OMD, and of course, he is the editor and site expert at Orlando Magic Daily. In addition to that, he's the host to Locked On Magic, so certainly a busy guy. Uh, is there anything specifically, uh, or tell them about this article that we mentioned previously, where they can find it, and what else you hope that they uh, find when they're looking at your website? Yeah, you can find the article I wrote about the the Magic's lack of effort uh, following Wednesday's game against the Chicago Bulls. You can find that up at orlandomagicdaily.com. We'll have a couple other things uh, in, in the in, tomorrow getting ready for Friday's game, um, in, including probably this podcast will be up there somewhere. Um, and then we'll I'll be talking a little bit more about Alfred Payton as well um, in a column I'm writing overnight. So you, you should be able to check that out uh, tomorrow morning on orlandomagicdaily.com. All right, Philip. Thanks so much. And I'll actually see you tomorrow during halftime of the game, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, it's on record, so you can't back out now. Uh, (laughs) For you guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Remember to check out last week's conversations with Pelicans assistant coach Jamel McMillan, as well as the ringer.com's Justin Verrier. We'll be back with Ali and Kevin soon. Uh, We're going to try to do one Saturday night after the Heat game. If not, we'll just get back to you guys after the holidays, probably around Tuesday night. Uh, For now, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to retweet and subscribe. And, uh, yeah, let's go Pels. Thanks for listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Now, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Bird Rights NBA Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the Bird Rights for all the best coverage on the Pels. And if you really like the show and you want to show us even more love, give us a rating and review on iTunes by searching the Bird Rights. Your support has gotten us up to 45,000 downloads thus far, a spot on Nothing But Net Radio here on the Dash, and a feature on the front page of Blog Talk Radio. Now, we'll be with you guys all season, keeping you up to date on all the latest news on your favorite team. Let's go, pals! Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. 
Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home Yes, cool. or attending one live no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the US to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.